Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sidan. I'm Ben. And I'm Jamie. I could feel the tension. I could feel the tension of like which one of you was going to speak first. Also, our music is by our good friend, Jordan. There you go. To be fair to me, there was a pause because I had my mouth full at that precise moment. So. Yeah, I'm going to be presented with some pancakes shortly. So I'm looking forward to editing around the pancake eating noises. Mm. So, where did we last leave Turkey? We last left Turkey in 1965 after I a series of very coup, normal governments. There was two attempted coups, yes, and then there was an assassination attempt. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, it was a really, really good time to be alive, I hear. Or, or certainly wasn't a good time to be Izmet in Anu, to be fair. Mm. It, was, it was definitely not ideal, <laughs> to say the least. Ah. Uh. 1965, so we're made it halfway through the 60s. We're getting there, boys. We're getting there. We're almost, 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 almost going to be at the actual present, you know, depending on how quickly we make it through this. I don't think we're going to make it through this very quick. We can't just speed run it, no? No, well, I mean, it depends. Like I said in the the bonus, but I'll say it here. Like there is a there is going to be a plan for if the Turkish election either happens as scheduled, happens early, or is delayed. There what is it, a plan in my head. What, for if, it. what if it never happens ever again at all? What if it What if I, it never was... happens? If, like we'll just have to keep doing weekly updates <laughs> over and over and over again until we die. Clearly, Fantastic. that's clearly what will have to happen. We're going to be in our eighties. At like whatever we record podcasts on in like it, it, well we well me and Ben will be in our our eight like a hundred and twelve, um, <laughs> and we'll be at whatever we used to record podcasts at that time. Presumably, brains addled by senility, trying to remember what happened in Turkey that week, a country that probably doesn't exist at that point. I, I'm yeah. thinking like trying to this... get your Elon Musk Neuralink to fucking like. Link up with Audacity. No, it'll be, yeah. something, it'll be something much less high-tech than that. It'll be like some some guy, some scribe or whatever, just sending things out by telegraph. <laughs> just, just having an Egyptian scribe in the room with us as, we, <laughs> as we're writing in hieroglyphs. <laughs> I was like, I'd be in the, in the camp of some cannibal warlord or something getting the podcast etched into my back with a fucking Yeah, just out. like, <laughs> we, we've regressed. Oh, like that, um... That fucking guy that was tweeting that we're going to return to the Bronze Age. Did you see that? Yeah, we're going to be tweet. We're going to be writing in cuneiform. <laughs> we're going to have to write the podcast into a cuneiform tablet, but like heat it so that it's it's solid, and then send it to like some, the king of hit of like the Hittites for him to read and approve <laughs> before we get to forward it on to any other Bronze Age kings that we might find. Keeping our eye out for the Sea Peoples. Yeah, that's it. We will be the Sea Peoples, presumably. Presumably, oh, nice. I, I'm imagining the equivalent of the Bronze Age collapse being a bunch of Brits showing up in, like, the Far East and just ruining that. Oh, fuck, I hope not. They've done enough yeah. of that. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, we've really, we've really done a number on, like, every region of the world, so realistically, I couldn't have picked anywhere and have it come off at all good. No. Like, I was trying to think. I was like, where's somewhere Brit... Oh, well, I mean, yeah. So we could show up at Jan Mayen. We've never we've never been there before. <laughs> well, I assume a British person has been there, but also the population there's permanent population is like ten. 
So, oh boy. Yeah, destroying Norwegian civilization by showing up on the island that's mostly populated by polar bears. <laughs> Getting Captain Cooked by the chieftain of the polar bears. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's 100% the sort of thing that I would expect to happen to us or to British people. So, uh, the, the distant future aside, let's talk about the not-so-distant past. So, we left Turkey off in 1965. After a reasonably turbulent period of time, we had multiple coalitions of chaos. That's yeah. It, yeah. yeah, we had more, and we had some assassination attempts and a little bit of little bit of uh, military coup planning, including uh, the guy that we were already sick of, Alpaslan Turkesh, being involved in one. Yeah. Yeah. Although he dobbed the other guy in. <laughs> <laughs> he was so confused and angered by the plan, he just, he just, he just shipped the other guy off. Like, ah, uh, right. Amazing. So in 1965, we have a little event called an election. It's election time. And this election's important. Not because it's an election and elections are important, but because it's sort of like a changing of the guard, if you will. A sort of generational event. So I'm gonna, I, I, what I'll do is I will post a little result uh, chart here from the most reliable source in the world, wikipedia.com, but it is essentially correct. And you, could, you can see how the election went in episode notes. Uh, for people not on the uh, not on the old podcast, uh, not on the <coughs> podcast Discord, uh, you could you would see that the Justice Party won two hundred and forty seats. Two hundred and twenty-six are needed for a majority. They also won a majority of the votes. Yeah, like a significant margin as well. Yeah, Repu- yeah, fifty-two point eight percent to the Republican People's Party's twenty-eight point seven. But there are some new parties. The uh, Nation Party, who we did talk about last time, they're not like new, new. They're new for this election, yeah. and. Some fellas, the Workers' Party. Ooh. Oh, what's that about? Maybe we'll find out. But the That's Justice new, Party New won. Turkey Party there. Yeah, we did talk about them. They were like... What, the, what the... was wrong with the old Turkey? Well, well I guess... We're, uh, well, yeah, a lot. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. And also the Republican Villages Nation Party eating shit, which is pretty funny. Although replaced almost immediately by another fascist party. Though the two fascist parties lost a net, lost one seat overall. Ah. So, you know, actually more than one seat. They, they lost um, eight seats overall. So, you know, it's a marginally less fascist parliament until you think about the Justice Party. Oh, shit. And also the New Turkey Party and the fact that centre-right and centrist are basically fascists. So, there you mm. go. My, my controversial shot fired for the week. <laughs> Fish hook theory, 100% correct. You'll find no so, argument here. <laughs> yeah, so. It's, it's funny that I, like, contradicted one of my better performing YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just immediately came out and was like, that's fucking garbage. Fucking trash analysis by a trash person. <laughs> and, then, and then having it whispered in my ear that it was, in fact, me who did it all along. <laughs> So, Suleyman Demirel will become the Prime Minister of Turkey. And he's, uh, I think he's probably the second of quite an important trio of politicians for the 70s who will sort of enter into leadership positions. The first is Alparslan Turkesh, who is uh, really quite important. Well, actually, there are probably four who are quite important for the 70s, to be clear. But 
He's the he's the second of the four, I suppose, if you like. Favorite and, guy. Yeah, favorite guy. Because obviously the the four that are important for people wondering are gonna be Alpasan Turkesh. Um uh well he's he's made important by the fucking BBC. Um so Nejmetin Erbakan, who uh most of you probably will never have heard of if you're not from Turkey. You he almost became well, he he's basically if you want to know where the AKP finds some of its old school political roots, you we're gonna find them. Shit. Yeah. Um <laughs> Bülent Ejevit is obviously also one of the important political figures in the 70s who will who will be very important later on but you know before, he's currently now just the former labor minister but he did make striking legal so who's to say and then we've got uh Suleyman Demirel now who's uh who is wide Mussolini wide Mussolini himself uh... and the thing that's so like Suleyman Demirel is always characterized in english language stuff as like a confident right-wing populist you know, that's all. That's all that's notable about him. There's nothing. There's nothing else completely interesting about him. <laughs> and he, he, his, his. All right. So at the time in 1965 in Turkey, we're having what is considered to be the most common Turkish problem, which is inflation. Yeah. And he runs under the premise that he's going to fix inflation, basically. That's easy. Like he. He is going to fix inflation, which is famously so easy that, like, anyone can fucking do it. I could fucking yeah. do it. You know, like, I could fix inflation real easy, you know? Yeah, just I, I, print less and or more money. Yeah, yeah, you, wh- whatever, you, yeah whatever you want, really. Like, whatever <laughs> you think's going to work. Just, and just mess with the money taps. Easy. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just turn them off, on, off and on. <laughs> Hot and cold water at the same time, whatever you need. <laughs> I've no idea. Like, I've no idea. Like, no. Like, I have no fucking. No, I do have an idea because, like, I know for a fact that raising interest rates when there's no wage price spiral is fucking insane. Anyway, let's ignore the Bank of England. Um, <laughs> let's ignore them. Just pure disciplining of of uh, of labour with that one. So anyway. So, so basically, he does the classic conservative thing, which is, I'm going to fix the economy. Me, wide Mussolini, that's right. But Suleiman Demirel kind of represents a really important moment, because Suleiman Demirel was not born in the Ottoman Empire. He was yeah. born in 1924. So he is actually the first Prime Minister of Turkey who was born in Turkey, like a Republican Turkey. Yeah. Oh, wow. He grew up entirely in a republic. There's no Padishah, no nothing for him. And in a way, this is around the time that that generation are really coming of age. You know, that first generation. My grandparents' generation, really. Mm. And they're, they're finally, and they're like, well, Isma Inonu, you know, that's like yesterday's guy. Quite literally, he's been in politics since like 1919. Jesus. There, is, there has not been a more like has been at this point. He still commands a lot of the, of quite a big portion of the electorate, as it turns out. But once again, but, I just think of him as like Turkish de Valera by this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like by this point, people are kind of are, are very insistent on the matter of him resigning. Actually, <laughs> they're they're insistent, but like no one can actually say it to him because like he's his man, I knew. Well, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna fire the guy 
you know. I, I tend to expect it would sort of literally fall on deaf ears if you did say it to him. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, literally, you're right, yeah. So, we have the, the Demo- uh, not Democrat, of course I'm going to call them the Democrat Party every time now. The Justice Party are in majority government, which means that, for once in Turkey, we're not having, like, a, a, a sort of, a coalition disintegrating. So you, you're getting strength and stability. Yeah, yeah. With, with the confident right-wing populist. Fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very competent, and it's it's all very competent and good. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Demerel, he he does your sort of typical centre right policy platform, you know. We but you know we have a liberalisation of the economy. It's kind of not very interesting actually, because the main thing that happens is he does actually get inflation under control, oh, relatively shit. speaking. Yeah, relatively speaking for Turkey, he does get the inflation under some degree of control. We just hate to see of... a man winning, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest, this is like a rare case where I'm like, well, it's pro-, you know, like I'm kind of not, I'm not happy about it. But like, he, to be fair, it, it, inflation did stop like going up to infinity. Hmm. Like, um, like you know, like which I suppose is fine, essentially. <laughs> No, not much to be said about it. I guess. Yeah, you know, like I'm just like, well, I can't really be mad at him for like for it working, but also it did involve disciplining labour, obviously. Of course, yeah. You know, it did involve that kind of thing, and so I, I kind of wanted to look into Suleiman Demerel a little bit here, just like get to know the guy, and so I find it kind of funny that the do you you all remember in the Anatolian Rock ep- episode? When we talk about that folk song that they used as an election song. Yeah. About the art for that song has a shepherd boy, like a shepherd boy on it, running through a field like a fucking dumbass. Mm -hmm. Like himbo. He's a himbo, basically. That's how I imagined (laughs) that character. It turns out he was a shepherd. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm trying to wonder. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to like connect the dots here. As to whether that song was specifically picked because of the the implication, if you were not in like an always sunny sense of implication, but like, <laughs> like the implication of the song in a lot of ways. Right, I don't mean but yeah, he was. Sense. Yeah, but he he. So there's this sort of thing in Turkey where politicians have quite different. Um, I would say quite different backgrounds to British politicians, even now it's still uh, some degree of that going on. So, you know, in Britain, usual politician is like PPE, Oxford, Cambridge. Mm. Bit of a cunt. I mean, Suleiman Demerel is a cunt as well. And, and actually, just while I remember, my parents always used to say, man, what a shame about Suleiman Demerel. It's a shame that he wasn't a, uh, a communist because he was very charismatic and stuff like that. And I kind of read that in the same, because this guy was like a fucking vicious politician. Yeah. Like, he had no chill. And it's kind of like how some people would say, man, if only Trump was a leftist. Yeah, yeah. Like, like leftist we need, we need Trump. A bastard. Yeah, leftist Trump. I mean, it does it does have that vibe when my parents say it, and I'm like, do, do we just, do each of us just get one of these, you know? Does each <laughs> generation just get one of these guys, and we're like, damn, we really missed out on that one. <laughs> But Suleiman Demerel's background was actually in engineering. 
Oh. And he, well, yeah, he was a he was well, a civil engineer. Why am I not surprised? I mean, engineers, you just can't trust them, to be honest. Mm, anyway, let's not look into my partner's education. <laughs> uh, but he, he actually went to the same uni as my mum, uh, Istanbul Technical University. Uh, yeah. She's also an engineer, incidentally, by education. Um, electrical engineer. Yeah. Um, and actually, he worked for the um, for electrical power planning department, basically. And he ended up doing a postgrad on, like, irrigation and dams when he went to, um, and specifically studied America's various experiments with that. Uh, cool. Yeah. And yeah, he worked on various projects, building dams and just generally be- being relatively normal. Now, obviously, he got drafted into the army a bit late because he's educated, right? If you're educated, you get drafted a bit later. But after the coup, he actually gets drafted. Huh. And he ends up uh, going off to... what? He ends up working for an American company. And also as a part-time lecturer at Middle East Technical University. And this, this thing of, like, people, politicians being lecturers at universities, it's going to come up again. Hmm. It's going to come up. I promise. And he ends up just joining the, exec- the, the Justice Party. And um, he ends up being on their, like, executive. Like, that's his first political move, is to just get onto the executive of, like, the Justice Party. Nice, that's quite so you, a bit of just foot in the door there. Yeah. And he, he... So, like, people put down a lot of his appeal. So, like, if I show you the map of the 1965 general election, you, the thing this map tells you is which party is the largest in each province, right? And you'll see that, like, the Justice Party have just fucking cleaned house, basically. Fuck. Like, they've come in and they've just taken a sledgehammer to the country, right? They've just, they've come in and they've just, like, hit the win button, basically. That's what, that's what, like, that's like me playing Crusader Kings level of winning. That's an extremely, like, like Jeb-looking Matt. Yeah, like, if you want to see, like, the previous election for comparison, like, there you go. Oh, thank you. Uh, Sorry, just thanked my partner for delivering pancakes to me. So I've now got pancakes for Pancake Day. Happy Pancake Day, everyone. Although it will be like a week later, so I guess not so much. Yeah, I hope you had a good Pancake Day, listener. Yeah, Yeah. dear listener, I hope you had a good one. I'm trying to very quietly cut a pancake. It's just not going to happen, is it? No, we're going to hear like steel on plate action. Yeah. Right, I put it down, but my mouth was a bit full. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you can just cut it all out. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 it's fine. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, by the way, that little bit of red in the southeast, um, like that sort of weird, that weirdly shaped province next to the other red one in the 1965 map, mm-hmm. the one that's sort of like mostly surrounded by purple, that's uh, Tunjeli, or Darsim, if you like. Uh, and it's famous for being, now that's famous for being the place where the Jehepeh basically did a genocide, but also for always voting for them. Like, basically in every election, it always votes. It's the one bit of the southeast of Turkey that ever votes for them. Mm, that's a bit okay. weird. Is that, is that somehow related to the genocide? I Well, they did relocate a lot of people and bring a lot of people in and uh, all sorts of stuff, yeah. right? I, don't, I But I can't, like, I can't say for sure because I'm not entirely 100% like convinced that that's the case. 
But also, it is just a very, very fucking stark bit of the map in a lot of Turkish elections. Mm. In fact, in some Turkish elections, um, on some websites, they show the lakes as red. So you notice there's like a white bit oh, in the yeah. southeast there, yeah. which is Lake Van, I think. It probably is Lake Van. It's fucking huge. And they show it as red. And people uh, in one election posted like memes about, wow, I can't believe there's red in the southeast. And then I realized it was Van. <laughs> Lake Van. <laughs> like, ah. Ah, well, no, I don't think people were, were wanting it, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I always just find that a little funny. A little, it's a little interesting bit. Although actually, in the previous election, it doesn't seem like they voted for the Republican People's Party, which is kind of funny. I guess Ismet Inonu really won them round. Yeah. But but Suleiman Demirel was perceived as so Suleiman Demirel is like a bumpkin, right? He's a rural bumpkin, which is why he he's sort of like you know like how people talk about like oh you really need to speak to the Red Wall, uh-huh. and what yeah. they mean is like you literally need a regional accent, otherwise they'll think you're a cunt. When- when people we- say you need to speak the Red Wall, what they literally mean is we should be racist as fuck. Aye, this is true. Yeah, like, yeah, but they mean like racist with an accent, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't like any of them foreigners around here. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just like you know, you you call for like the annihilation of of an entire race, but you say e gum at the start, so everyone. E bag gum. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like, so for people who are wondering what the map of Turkey looks like, it is mostly purple, which is the color of the Democrat Party in this map. Which is very odd because their party color was red. But I guess that was taken by the Republican People's Party, so it is what it is at this point. I guess it's kind of a first come, first serve type situation. But the thing is, he's regarded as having like a particular appeal with rural voters. And you got to remember at the time, Turkey is. Um, Turkey is a lot more rural than it is now. Mm. Like, you know, Istanbul has like a quarter of the population of the entire country now. It's a fucking huge city. Like, proportionately, even compared to, like, London, it's fucking massive, right? Fucking hell. Like, it's a gigantic city. And the thing... The thing is that Suleiman Demirel is regarded as having, like... he's like He's like the rural bumpkin whisperer. But he won, like, everywhere. Like, he, 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 all he did was win, except, again, except when he lost the elections later on. But, well, I suppose up to now, all he did was win. And, like, he won everywhere. Like, it's not, he had no chill. He fucking battered Isma Inonu for, like, a, like, across the entire country. And I always find it interesting that he's characterized as, like, oh, he has such a particular appeal with rural voters. Yeah. And I... I yeah, it just does. It does seem to be just wall all across the board. Yeah, yeah. and is uh, sorry. Um, and Suleiman Demirel <coughs> does take a quick break from politics because he resigned. So basically, Jalal Bayar is eventually released on parole because you know he's in prison for the various crimes of the um, of the Democrat Party. And in a way, Suleiman Demirel becoming the leader of the uh, Justice Party is kind of like this symbolic passing of the torch. It's it's you know like how people like Tony any you know like Tony Blair capture the moment, mm, yeah. right? This is very much them handing it off to someone who could capture a moment and was legitimately quite charismatic. So he was born in 1924. So in 1965, he would have been 41. 
So quite which y- when you quite young yeah. in terms of like Turkish political careers. Well, considering his opposition <coughs> had been in politics since nineteen before nineteen nineteen, really, because he was a jet, he was a military officer in the Ottoman Empire, right? Hmm. Like that guy has been around since he was prime minister when Suleyman Demirel was born. <laughs> to to just it would be like. <laughs> It would be like me having me running in an election against John Major in thirteen years. Christ. That's what that's like. That is quite literally almost the same age gap as well, by the way. God. But are he was we, actually. Uh, are we due an election? Twenty thirty six. Uh, well, because the parliament to look forward to the parliament were me versus John Major. <laughs> yeah, that would be a fucking brutal election. I, I think it would end up like this one, maybe because it would very much be the moment for me. I guess <laughs> becoming Britain's Suleiman Demereau of the left. Finally, my parents have their wish. Suleiman <laughs> Demereau has become a leftist. <laughs> oh, incredible! Oh, left-wing Suleiman Demereau is such a fucking concept. I'm just looking forward to Britain's first Turkish Prime Minister. <laughs> Seconds, Boris Johnson's already Oh, been. shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh. Couldn't even let me have that, the fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Um, like, he was Turkey's youngest ever Prime Minister. Lord. And he is, and so this generation of people are just known as the Republican generation, right? Mm. And, you know, the generation of people who were basically born when Turkey, in the 20s. Like, they count it as the whole 20s because, like, you know, we're just counting it all. Because, you know, 22, 24, 21, like, what's the actual fucking difference? You grew up when the Republic was new. And people like Isma Inonu and Jalal Baya, they're beginning to sort of depart from politics. Well, Jalal Baya, by virtue of being imprisoned, well and truly departed from politics. Isma Inonu, he's get, like, he is old. Like, yeah. I cannot emphasize enough how old this guy is at this point. And so he's, he's gone. He's going. Actually, I'm curious. When did, is, did Isma Inonu die in office as party leader? No, okay. He did, he did have two years off. Of retirement, of actual retirement, before he died. God. Aged 89. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was old. I mean, he was old in office. He was old as opposition leader. He held basically every position in the country that you could plausibly have. Other than, like, when he was alive, other than Ottoman Emperor, really. If he'd had that position, that's it. He rounded it all off. (laughs) (laughs) So he used that into Hearts of Iron. Yeah, the the monarchist route, but you actually make Ismet Inonu emperor. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think it's any less absurd than the communist route where you make him head of the communist party. It, yeah, it's one of those things where... Par- I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine who's a YouTuber who just did a video about um, like Sovietology as it relates to like Hearts of Iron. Well, they used Hearts of Iron as like an entry point to talk about Sovietology and the various beeves mm. therein, and which... It's an interesting video. You should go check it out. Maybe I'll put a link down below for people who are into that sort of thing. But I was actually talking to them, and we were talking about uh, they suggested that I do, or they asked whether I'd done a video or a stream where I did the Turkish um, Hearts of Iron focus. 
of course we have done that. Like oh, yes. me, me and Ben specifically did that actually, mm-hmm. and uh, we like talked through it, which is I guess kind of like the the it was kind of like the pilot episode for this podcast in a lot of ways. Yeah, those um, those streams were kind of the pilot episodes. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really great having to explain, like, no, yeah, we did this, and like, if you ever want to do that video, hit me up because I have, I have got things to say about it, <laughs> in- including about why the fuck they seem to constantly make like no-name authors into leaders of entire countries, because oh, paradox yeah. don't seem to understand that these people are fucking nerds. They're nerds. They're not going to be politicians. Yeah, they're just book guys. Yeah, they're books. Now, um, Suleiman Demerol ends up becoming the leader of the, of the, I was going to say the Democrat Party. You could tell, you could hear the gears turning in my head <laughs> as I was like, say it, say it, say the Democrat Party, say it. And he actually comes back into politics after the leader of the, uh, the, the previous leader of the, um, of the Justice Party. He, he returns and he actually has, um, a quite a serious opposition for a gentleman called Sadatin Bilgic, who is nicknamed Kojares, which means the big captain. Oh, nice. That's the de- big de- captain. Definitely not, like, uh, quite sinister sounding. Yeah, he's the... <laughs> so, Suleiman Demerol's the small captain, I guess. <laughs> now, this is actually one of these really... Weird moments. It's it's kind of like crazy ass moments in Turkish politics. Like that's what we should have called the fucking podcast. God fucking damn it! <laughs> I've just I've just had like the ultimate production note mid episode there. God fucking damn it! We really we really fucking fumbled the bag on that one because we could <laughs> we could have fucking we could have fucking done so well. All right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That page probably exists anyway. So Bilgic's supporters, not Bilgic himself, just to be very clear. Accused Suleiman Demerol of being a Freemason. Oh wow! Yeah, they're busting out the uh, the real heavy shit. Now, here's the thing about Suleiman Demerol: he was a Freemason. <laughs> like he was literally a Freemason. It was literally true, and this was genuinely gonna sink him. Like he was genuine. He was looking dead on arrival. Like he was he was gonna get fucked. Boy. And. He lied. He chose to lie. So what Demerol did was he was like, I'm going to prove I'm not a member of a Freemason lodge. What did Suleiman Demerol really do? a shit wall. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, did, um... Did he absolutely fumble a handshake? <laughs> um, no, no. He sent a letter to a different Freemason's lodge to confirm whether he was a member or not. And because it was one that he wasn't a member of, they said, no, Suleiman Demerol is not a member of the Freemasons' Lodge. And then he wins the leadership of the party because he wrote to the wrong Freemasons' Lodge. (laughs) On purpose, by the way. Wrong implies it was a mistake. He did it on purpose. Incredible move. Yeah. Uh, One uh, weird uh, trick. Are we going to see a lot of situations that are just like, oh, that's Suleiman Demerol. Don't know how he's going to wriggle out of this one. And he just wriggles out of it easily. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like, this this guy is... (laughs) Like, you know, like, when I did the Donald Trump thing, Donald Trump comparison, it is, Mm. it is not dissimilar in a lot of ways. Trump is sort of, like, old news in so many ways. So, so, so many ways. He's such, like, a normal thing. Yeah. In in so many ways that it's actually kind of unbelievable that people reacted to him in the hysterical way they did. Like, 
this is normal. This is just completely normal. Now, there was a third person in the leadership contest who got 39 votes in total. Um, which, uh, to be clear, but just so people understand the scale, uh, Suleiman Demereau got 1,072 votes, and his main opposition, which was the Bilgic guy, got 552. Uh. So, like, so, like, 39 is still... It's embarrassing, but it's not like getting 39 in a general election, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not that bad, but it's not entirely very far off. Had that, that candidate considered coming out in favour of the most, like, extreme religious positions they could think of? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, to be fair, and, and that wouldn't have worked for a lot of reasons, because the, um, the Justice Party nominally at least pretended to be secular. Telling the the Turkish electorate in the mid-60s, I certainly would have voted against gay marriage, and they're all just like, sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) They're all just super confused, like, whether it was made legal or not by the the Republican... Yeah, when did the Workers' Party get into power and make us all gay? (laughs) 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 Oh, we haven't even got to talking about the Workers' Party. Oh, God. Oh, excellent. But yeah, they um they very much um th- th- that wouldn't have flown. It, this is the wrong party, wrong time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Completely not the right time. And and the thing about Demero in the sixties is the sixties were kind of boring. Like the late sixties were kind of boring. It was kind of like your normal center right, you know, kind of government up until like. 1968-ish, when things really start kicking off big time. Uh, and it's good, it's good to hear that things were, were kicking off in Turkey in 1968, unlike anywhere else at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. 1968, famously a great year for stability <laughs> across the world. Not quite, it wasn't quite the Gaul having to flee to Switzerland. Oh, that's but incredible. It is incredible. They're like, um... Uh, one of my favourite accounts from 1968 in um, in France... Genuinely, is... for a moment there, thought you meant Twitter accounts. <laughs> part of, like, I, I, what, 1968? What the f- no, I meant Charles de Gaulle. Um, <laughs> but Charles de Gaulle, um, he, he was... There was a socialist member of the, uh, of the French parliament who, like, ran into Charles de Gaulle during all of the, like, 1968, you know, general mayhem. And they offered him a gun, suggesting he might need it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, was not an invitation to commit suicide. Oh, it was a rifle. Right. It was a rifle. Just to be very clear, he wasn't like, here's a handgun, probably time, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like the bit in Team America where he's like, you may want to kill yourself if captured, and just gives him a fucking hammer. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh... Yeah, so... There's, um, th- there is, yeah, 68 really, really started worrying the Turkish government. And obviously there was a 1969 election, I want to say. Yeah, there was. Um, and basically the elections are not, like, the important thing here, which is why I'm kind of breezing through them. But he wins that one on a reduced vote, but increased, increased seats. Jehepe reduced vote, increased seats. Workers' Party loses 12 seats out of 14. That's a bit sad. But we do get some new parties. We get the Reliance Party, the Republican Reliance Party. Uh. Who were um, mm, uh, they were just kind of like kind of like um, a more racist Jehepe, I guess. Oh, great! 
I feel like that's kind of what what the uh, what the vibe was. Um, they were they were basically so in opposition. The, the Republican People's Party begins speaking more explicitly in political terms, like left-right political terms. Right? Uh-huh. They start like actually speaking about things in terms of like left-right politics. And part of this is because Bulent Ejevit uh, becomes the uh, basically secretary general of the party, which, you know, is, is the person who's in charge of giving people jobs, as it was in the Bolshevik party, which, uh, who was the secretary general appointed by Lenin, who he didn't want to appoint the job of leader to, Stalin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you see what's going to happen here, because Bulent Ejevit, um people say that he was an explicit socialist like he explicitly said he was a socialist this isn't true that's a lot of like post hoc kind of like analysis by people saying oh he was the only socialist prime minister explicit self-identifying socialist prime minister he never said that like i've tried to find the source if someone has a source where he explicitly describes himself as a socialist i would love to see it because I mean, maybe he did it in the 90s. I was looking for stuff in the 60s and 70s. And maybe he even did it in the 50s. I don't know. Have you considered that the source might be... Trust me, dude. Yeah, it might be. I'm so confused by this because I've not found it. But it might exist. I just want people to know it might exist. And this is how the perception is outside of Turkey of him. And kind of inside to an extent, maybe, by some people... But not when like say, actual socialists. Like when you say outside America, outside of Turkey, you mean America, right? Hold on, I'm I'm doing pancakes. Um, <laughs> give me one second. I'm about to eat some pancakes. Like the guy once shared birthday cake at a children's party, and the the Americans decried him as a communist. I mean, there was some of that with Blantezhevich, but that's sort of a '70s thing. So, like, we've got to like, uh-huh. got to briefly just sort of like put that to one side. But the deal is that he, um, he never said socialist. And the Republican People's Party were very, very, very careful to never say the word socialist or social democratic. Uh-huh. They, they were very, very careful to never say that. But what they did say no, was... You, uh, one, one day you describe yourself as a socialist and the next day you find out United Fruit are running your country. <laughs> well, yeah, that was actually... Given that a military coup with Operation Gladio trained people had already happened in the country. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like, it is not an unreasonable fear, I don't think. But their fear was more that they would be accused of it if they didn't use this sort of technical language. And so what they called themselves was Ortanunsolo, the left of centre. Uh-huh. So, like, people will see me say left of centre on Twitter and be like, why do you say that? This is why? Because this is, like, a, a specific term that come i mean a specific thing when i say that which is like people who want to desperately say social democrat or socialist but do not they really really shy away from saying it Mm. and in fairness this was um this was quite popular like i mean they won elections like they, they won two elections in turkey like they they won like there's no you know there's no argument that this this sort of pivoting of the Republican People's Party to at least, like, be in touch with some degree of, like, actual politics probably help. Because it turns out people want parties that will do things other than, you know, be secular and do republicanism, because those things are already happening. 
in yeah. the background all okay. the fucking time. Okay, kind of already established things. You kind of need to move on to something else, yeah. Yeah, so there's obviously the famous Inonu quote, which is like, actually, we're already a left of centre party. After embracing um, secularism, if you're a populist, you're left of centre. Yeah, yeah, simple. But there you go, he fucking solved it. And he also said that if you're statist, you're left of centre, to which I would say the Gaullist parties would really like a word. We're really talking about France a lot this episode for some reason. <laughs> to be um, fair, I mean, there is an argument, I suppose, for a sort of left de Gaullism. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to parse that out, but I mean, I wouldn't have been necessarily the biggest opponent of try giving that a fucking punt, to be honest, at this point. <laughs> and in fact, I think, I think I remember reading an article where someone, one of these, like, spectator, something adjacent, maybe unheard, it's some fucking bullshit. Not, I didn't, like, probably wasn't unheard if I actually read the article, to be clear. Or the spectator, now I think about it. Um, unheard's, unheard's got some real up-and-comers writing for them, though. Yeah, like Aaron uh, Bastani. Yeah, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard, but I'm I'm not doing it. We're not doing it. We cannot. We cannot do it. We can't do it right now. It's going to take up too much time. So, um, <laughs> I read this. I read this article where they're like, actually, Boris. Johnson, it's one of those, you know, Boris Johnson's actually the new leftist sort of thing, oh. where they, where they basically were like, he's doing left the Gaulism, and I'm like, he's not even doing the the, the Gaulism bit. He's not even doing the statism <laughs> bit. Like, you need to do that bit. Like. Come on now, we you know like that's, that's uh, it. Man. You got you got to say at the very least, fuck off NATO and like build some infrastructure. Yeah, and and so the Republican People's Party does split, and there is the Republican Reliance Party because they really because basically the I was going to say the Democrat Party again. It keeps happening. The um. <laughs> I'm never gonna get it right first time. The Justice Party, they, uh, they, they coined a slogan. Um, I will say it in Turkish: "Ortanun sola, Moskovanun yola," which means the left of center is the road of Moscow, basically the way to Moscow. <laughs> like yes. it's, it's communism. <laughs> you're doing communism, and to which I would simply have said yes. But yeah. you know. And actually, it is. I suppose this is kind of a handy pivot that this party split happens, and this party is basically like, okay, cuck under a fucking proportional system. So maybe they would have got some seats, but you know, fuck them. Basically, um, I don't really give a shit about them. They're just like they just wanted to do more racism and more right wing politics. Mm. To which I would simply say, why don't you fuck off and join the Justice Party? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I ge- genuinely love like mapping it onto that anyway anyway so this is actually kind of important which is that the workers party probably contributed to this pivot because the workers party are um well they're the first explicitly socialist party to be represented in the turkish parliament which is pretty uh pretty good actually i would say now i just want to be very uh i want to be very clear that this is kind of like a turkish communist party situation where there is a modern political party called the turkish workers party this is not the same political party the parties have the same name i think they might even have like similar iconography they are not the same political party the political party that currently has four seats in the grand national assembly is not this Turkish Workers' Party, though they are both communist parties. Oh. Well, Marxist parties. Anyway, it's like, 
you know, they, you know, obviously given the constitution saying that, like, you can't advocate for the rule of one class over another, um, you know, there was even some language around that, maybe, but the Turkish Workers' Party 20 brackets 2017 is the, um, we're in an alliance with the um, the People's Democratic Party, which is the significantly pro-Kurdish party in Turkey, and they got four seats on their list. Hmm. Simple. See, when you say you're not allowed to advocate for the rule of one class over another, are you allowed to begrudgingly centrist your way to one class ruling over another? Yes. Yeah, nice. I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's basically, you basically described every political party in Turkey. Like, <laughs> Um, the history of all so, hitherto existing society, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, wow. um, actually, I do have some um, some images, some cool images. So, if you want to see the 1965 Turkish Workers Party logo, uh, unfortunately, the listeners I, maybe will not be able to see it. Maybe I'll make a link for it. But if you were wondering, uh, my co-hosts, there you go. Just the is that is that what tip. that Italian guy was doing? <laughs> yes, yeah, because it does have it does have a it does have an ear of wheat on it. Um, if you're if you're wondering, so tip is like Turkey is partisi, you know, Turkish Workers Party, and then Kulia, Kulia Toprak Herkese Ish. So um, to the peasant soil, to everyone, work basically. You oh, know, nice. we're going to guarantee work. We're going to we're going to do land reform, and we're going to have full employment. Which you know, fine. I'm, I'm not, you know. a bit of a bit of a Caesarian political platform, if you were asking me. But anyway, <laughs> to, each, um... to each depending on their need, yeah. and from each depending on their ability. Brackets to block a hotel shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at the iconography here, and it's, like, it's, it's very shit post worthy because the word tip is in it, and there's yeah, a, yeah, there yeah. is a, a lot. <laughs> So uh, a gear that's sort of circular, and there's a ear of grain just <laughs> thrust through it. So um, the the thing is that like tip um, is kind of it's kind of an old fashioned word, but it does mean medicine. Uh-uh. Um, and the Turkish Workers Party is super interesting because it's a kind of an incubator for a lot of what I would call characters. Um, a particular gentleman, I believe, called Dor Perinçek. Uh, was a member of the Turkish Workers' Party. Um, and he has gone on to hold basically every single political position it's possible to hold in Turkey. Uh, but he is he is also... This, um, this keeps happening. Yeah. No one ever have an intervention. Yeah, and he is also like... Um, he is also like super litigious, so I'm being super careful about what I say, but I have definitely heard rumours about the guy from people who may have known him at the time and I'm not going to say any more than that. That's all I'm going to say because I think he, he he sued an entire country for his right to deny genocide. Oh. Which, by the way, I can say that's like verifiable facts. I'm not fucking backing down on that one. He did do that. Yeah, so amazing. Um, but we're not going to imply that he fiddles with dog. No, 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 absolutely we not. Cer- certainly wouldn't do that. But he has effectively held every single plausible political position it's, there is to hold in Turkey. Uh, ranging from Maoist, I mean, he's basically Paul Mason meets um, George Galloway. Like he's ranged from <laughs> Maoist to there's like. A fucking, there's a picture you pin. Uh, yeah, I mean, like if you want to see a picture of the guy, I mean, I, like ranging from like Maoist to far right to um, to fucking 
AKP allied now. Like he is, he is a fucking character. Uh, if you wanna, if you should, wanna see what we he... should knock up a political compass over, my expect. Oh, there's already a meme where it's a gif and it's showing him at different stages of his career. This is what he looks like now. He looks like Palpatine with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited power and political positions. I mean, yeah. I suppose. Just one more political position, bro. Just one more. Just one more, I promise. But he's the leader of the <laughs> Vatan Party, uh, the Homeland pa- Fatherland Party, oh. which is incidentally a re uh, another party that did exist historically in Turkey. Was a communist party, doesn't exist now. This is a different party. Just to be very clear, um, what what are they officially calling themselves now? What are they what are their official ideologies? It, um, like they call it, they translate it as Patriot or Patriotic Party. It describes itself as a vanguard party. Uh, it describes itself as bringing together socialist, revolutionaries, Turkish nationalists, and Kemalists. The party is strongly pro-China and pro-Russia. Fuck it, is this Kadro again, is it? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it definitely, the, the Vatan party, the original Vatan party, like, definitely had its roots in that. I think th- there was definitely, like, a Venn diagram where it was essentially a circle. So, like, yeah, a little bit. Oh. Like, definitely a little bit. There's, there's there's some of that going on, and like, just to be very clear, much like fucking George Galloway's Workers Party. I, I know that we have like American and non-British listeners who are just going to be and Turkish listeners who are going to be like, who the fuck is George Galloway? Um, oh boy! For, for Americans, George Galloway is the one who like humiliated one of your congressional hearings like quite badly, which is like fair play. I'm critical support in that case, but much like. Um, his workers' party, fucking nothing to do with socialism. No. Fuck all to do with it. No, not, not, not even like, like the part, the party is like fucking bizarre. It's got, it's got a fucking bizarre, um, political outlay and outlook. And frankly, I mean, it, it deserves its own episode. In fact, to be fair, Dor Perinchek will likely be the subject of at least two episodes that we do. So he's got, he's, he's everywhere. He doesn't, he doesn't fucking stop being in places. And obviously, <laughs> Obviously, this so there's another workers' party which Dor Perinchek also founded, um, which was dissolved in 2015. That workers' party is nothing to do with either the workers' party we're talking about now or the one that's in parliament currently. <laughs> I know it's confusing. I know it's confusing. I promise. I promise it's going to make sense. Like it. it I. Pr- it's, I. Well, actually, I can't promise that because it's tech. So. <laughs> um. But but the workers' previous workers' party was at least like nominally committed to some of the stuff that you would expect. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of parties that have the same name as old parties. This is so... Why can this country not just behave itself yes. over the course of a fucking century? Like, most countries... Like, in, in, like, fucking Sweden, like, the Social Democratic Party has won every election there since, like, 1911. Yeah. Like... And at least it's the same fucking Social Democratic Party. In Turkey, the fucking parties that come 18th are being refounded over and over again. <laughs> right. Like, how is any... Anyway, like, I'm going to make one of those maps charting all of these left-wing groups, because I think there would be some value in doing that for my fucking sanity, if nothing else. Hmm. But yeah, we got, we got the Workers' Party, who are, are kind of... Um, they're... they're they're interesting. They're a Marxist party, and they probably pull, put a lot of this pressure on the Republican People's Party to at least, like, do politics. 
yeah. which is which is you know a tall order for a party who, for most of its history up until this point, were pretty much exempt from having to do politics. Yeah, just kind of against it in principle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, centrism is anti-political. Like in a lot of ways, like Kemalism kind of does the same thing for left-right politics. <laughs> And so, you know, um, but like to get into the this workers' party's sort of origins, it's founded by uh, trade unions, which is which is always good. We we love a party founded by trade unions, oh, except yeah. mm. oh no, yeah, I'm not. But but to be fair, this one did not last long enough to to do the Labour Party thing. Uh. So the party uh, it does it does have elected deputies, and it does try to do um, does try to do politics. And it even wins a Senate, a Senate seat in 1966. We have a commu- well, a, a, a Workers' Party senator. Wow, what about this? Um, I'd have to double check the 1966 Senate election real quick, but I will do that after I eat this pancake. Priorities, good priorities. Sorry, yeah, yeah. it'd be like that, folks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Eating pancake ASMR, you should be paid. Yeah, for this. well. Well, I mean, actually, no, this isn't the bonus episode. <laughs> I was like, well, this is the bonus episode. I said, wrong. Um, completely incorrect there. Where the fuck is, like, 19... Okay, right. Right. All right, hold on. 1966 Senate election. All right, there we go. I found it. Uh, one. Um, you know, it's not telling me where, it, where the person was from. Or where the, where the, where the MP was from. It's a secret. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to, I have to guess. Um, maybe it was Darrison. Who knows? Maybe they've done it before mm. and they'll do it again. Um, also, kind of funnily, the uh, the Workers' Party outperformed Alpastar and Turkesh's party by double. Yes. In the popular vote, get fucked. Go to hell. Cry, bitch. Um, well, he is dead, <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, good fun. Uh, but the Justice Party did like kick the shit out of everyone. So you know, now obviously we, d- some of you will be surprised to know that there will be a military coup in the next episode. Good lord, really? It's happening again. Um, <laughs> it's happening How again. How many times? How many times must we, te- must, must we teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like now, obviously there are a couple of things I want to say just to wrap up the episode, but like. Not essential right now. Well, one of them's like completely not essential. I just find it kind of cool. The other one, it's not important right now, but you're going to want to remember this. In 1965, there was a, a group founded called the Federation of Debate Clubs. Oh, now, Jesus. it turns out it's always Twitch streamers. It's <clears throat> never not Twitch streamers. Oh. Now, some of you might be like, well, okay, w- what the fuck are you talking about? This sounds like this sounds like what if Warsh and Hassan, but in Turkey in 1965. Well, listener, you might be interested to know that they were refounded in 1969 as Devrimci Gençli, or Revolutionary Youth. Oh. Whose ideology is communism <clears throat> and Marxism Leninism, which I feel like are effectively synonymous enough that you didn't need to write them both. But anyway, <laughs> not important. And this group uh, is really really um gonna come onto the scene 
later on. Uh, they are they are notable in 1969, uh, which is when they became Devgensh, of course, which is the shortening of. They uh, they set fire to the U.S. ambassador's car while he was visiting Ankara University. Yes. And um, they participated in. If people are wondering what my banner picture is on Twitter.com, and I think this, uh, well, actually, probably the next episode is going to be going over some of this stuff. Um, the sixth United States Sixth Fleet anchored in Turkey, and my um, my cover image on Twitter is a very very low res because I think I got it like. Uh, literally from, from Diane uh, Abbott. Yeah, from Diane Abbott. No, she, um, which but you can see on the banner it says Altunjifilo Defol, which means the Sixth Fleet get out, fuck off, basically get yes. the fuck out of here. Yankee go and, home. Yeah, Yankee go home for <laughs> real. And uh, this is pre and some of this and some of this involved a lot of disorder, as you might imagine. Um, you know, there were a lot of strikes. I mean, sixty-eight. Remember, nineteen sixty-eight, and the Sixth Fleet anchored from. June 67 to February 1969, so 68 is coinciding with a lot of this. And so, you know, there is the usual 1968 stuff happening in Turkey as well as everywhere else. And obviously there was a CIA double agent involved in naming a lot of names to, um, to Turkish authorities to cover his ass because he was actually secretly a double agent for the Soviet Union. <laughs> I mean, that guy's a fucking character, but he's not Turkish. So, like, um, Turkish Kim Philby. <laughs> uh, no, I, we don't. We don't quite have it. He, he was born in Wisconsin. Generally oh. called Aldrich Ames. Uh, he he was a he committed. Um, so he was a double agent. He he eventually became a KGB double agent, and he is currently to this day serving a life sentence in a jail in Indiana. Well, to this day, like he is still alive. This man is eighty-one years old. He is not allowed out. That's quite wild, that. Yeah, like, this guy like, is still alive. You'd think there would have been, like, a sort of general amnesty or something for, like, Cold War spies. Yeah, after, after 92, at least, or at least maybe, like, 95, you would think that they would have done a general amnesty. Yeah. But America is going to America. But just yeah. bear this group in mind. They're going to become important in quite a big way, especially as the 70s. Well, as in every single Turkish politician's biography, the 70s is referred to as the chaotic 70s. And boy, <laughs> let me tell you what chaos there was. We are going to get bogged down in it. So is this sort of the long hangover of the, you know, you can have chaos with Ismet Inunuri, you can have strength and stability with us? Yeah, and uh, for those of you wondering, Turkey's first private domestic mass production vehicle company was founded called Anadol. And the in 1966, the first car actually was sold. And I believe my granddad owned one of these. I'm not even kidding. My granddad legit owned one of these first cars. It's what he spent his soldier's uh, pension on. And also the money he made being a mechanic. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty sweet looking car. Yeah. Only shame is it's a private company that made it. But yeah. hey, it's a pretty sweet looking car, I'd say. They did not export many of these. <laughs> would you would you believe? Though I guess every country was producing their own version of this exact car. Yeah, at this exactly. Time. They had to compete with the Lada and the Trabant and the Yugo. And the Yugo, I would love to have a Yugo. Oh, I mean, this is yeah. the, this is the second version. This is the A2. Um, this was made in the seventies. Oh. It's the saloon version. This is some, and if you were... something beautiful about it, though, is just like unaerodynamic but very pleasingly built. And and they did also make a rally car. 
Oh, which is that. Nice. Uh, yes. And, and like, I, I mean, it's pretty neat. I just wanted to note that because I, I just like the cars. Like, there's literally no agenda here at all. I just like the cars. They are, like, just kind of cute cars. The yeah. best way to describe them. <laughs> there, that, there is, like... Is sorry, that, go ahead. Uh, rally car sponsored by Wimpy. I can't quite make out the logo on the door. Might be. <laughs> it's not impossible. Sorry, I pancaked again. Um, well, that, that, um, that second one you posted, I could absolutely see Jason Bourne, like, fucking up Moscow in that. Oh, yes. So it's sponsored like, by... Uh, Hollywood's idea of what Eastern Europe still drives to this day. About it. <laughs> yeah, so um, if you're so Turkey, it's sponsored by the Turkish Tourism Board. I can tell because of that thing at the top of the thing. It's sponsored by a company called Nokta, who I think still exist. But Nokta means dot. Um, uh, let me let me see if I can I can I, I'm gonna be so mad because I'm gonna have heard of this company. Um. Oh, it was wait, was it sponsored by the Politics magazine, Nocta? That doesn't seem terribly likely, but maybe it was. It looks like it might say Nocta on. Yeah. Uh, I, I've just gone on the, just a bit of bonus to the, uh, to the regular episode. I just went on there and found this, and I'm not going to describe this image for the listeners, but I want you to see the reaction. Or hear the reaction. <laughs> Incredible. Oh. So it... It's a satirical cover, of course, um, but it does kind of look like that picture of Tony Blair yeah. that we all share all the time. Um, oh, that's a, that's actually a really good satirical magazine cover. I got to give him credit where it's due on that. I think it might actually, yeah, it might actually just be that. Fuck. Wow. Okay. I'm surprised they let a fucking satirical magazine um, sponsor the like national rally car. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. It must not be. It must not be the same thing. It must be something else. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced by that being the case. Anyway, uh, Nocta Isharita. Yeah, that would make more sense. Um, are, you sure, are you sure it's Nocta on the door there and not just Nokia? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure now. Okay, well, we're going to have to chalk that up to who, who can say. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to end this. Like, who can say? Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, some people say this, some people say that. I think it's both. Um, <laughs> or neither. Somehow. Or neither. It could be any of these options. It's a, it's, a, it's a wave function that has yet to collapse. Anyway, everyone, that has been your main episode for this week. Uh, do join us on the bonus that's coming out next week. It will be horribly out of date by the time it comes out, but it will be about the Turkish earthquake. At least ostensibly 50% of it is going to be about it. Mm. Like, we do the usual bonus thing where we just talk about strange Italian men, apparently. <laughs> so if you want to hear about the strange Italian man who showed up at Ben's work, or about, uh, to be quite frank, the appalling way the earthquake in Turkey was handled by the Turkish government, uh, yeah, join our Patreon. It'll be over there. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. Goodbye, folks.